He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. Andy Hall's giving Laser Hellraisers his plus one. An exclusive conversation you won't hear anywhere else. On today's edition of Hall Access. A conversation with the always entertaining Jesse James Dupree of Jackal who dropped a new album earlier this month on November 10th entitled Breathing Fire. This was an interview that was originally scheduled in advance of the album's release, but Jesse never called that day. I figured something must have come up, or God forbid, an emergency situation. Long story short, we rescheduled, and Jesse, being the stand-up guy he is and always has been, starts with an apology, which, by the way, was not necessary, but appreciated nonetheless. Jesse James Dupree, my guest via the laser hotline for this edition of Hall Access. What's up, Andy? Jesse. Jesse, how are you, sir? Well, other than being an asshole, I damn, I, dude, I don't miss interviews. I had a, I had a big Harley Davidson meltdown thing because I, I consult that the Harley Davidson Motor Company, and I'm just going to be transparent with you. When that, when when I had something meltdown, and we had a mega Teams video call that I had to drop everything and get on because it involved. A lot of zeros. Hey, man. <laughs> it's all good. I totally understand. I'm just happy to have you. Well, I owe you. I owe you. So I, I, you're, you're one of, uh, you're one of just, I mean, I'm telling you over the years, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could count them. I, don't, I just don't miss interviews. So thank you for your understanding and patience and not writing me off. Listen, dude, there's a lot of reasons why I've been looking forward to this opportunity, no matter when it is. And the first is the fact that for me personally, who's been at this for 25 years, talking to the guy who gave me my very first interview way back in the day is a very full circle moment. So thank you. Oh, how cool is that, man? That's, good. That's awesome. Took a chance on a young punk and college and uh it turned out pretty damn good for a first time i think that's great well you look at you you know what you know what we are we're damn survivors and uh, we're celebrating the fundamentals of rock and roll every single day and uh and that's what it's all about flying that flag my man always excited to talk about new music and this new album of yours breathing fire which came out a couple of fridays ago you're a guy too it's got a ton of history you mentioned it over 30 years as the frontman of jackal experience on the label and artist management side as well is release day itself still met with the same excitement and anticipation now in 2023 as before that's an incredible question because this has been such an anomaly of a of a happening, and you know, it, I was sitting down feeling guilty just because I was not planning on doing an album, right? So from the very beginning of this inception, I was not planning on doing an album. I was simply feeling guilty because I realized that it had been a long time since I listened to a bio, a record all the way through from beginning to end. When was the last time you listened to an album beginning? Maybe it was yesterday, but when was the last time you did it? Yeah, I'm in that company where it's like, this is all I listen to are records on my dad's old uh, record player's old Sansui setup. So I, I love doing that. I'll sit and listen to albums all the way through. I do it all the time. Well, I felt good on you, and I felt guilty because I had not done it in a long time. And I need to send you a vinyl, by the way. I got a limited Jesse James Dupree uh, Breathing Fire vinyl then i'll get to you and uh and because it, it's so cool to drop the needle on it but anyway i felt guilty because i'd not listened to some old albums so i went and, and i listened i listened to a uh, high voltage and i listened to high voltage twice acdc's high voltage oh man and and then i listened to highway to hell then i listened to back in black and then my wife came in we went to get dinner and i forgot about it and i didn't think i just thought i enjoyed listening to the music the next day i wake up I had these ideas in my head. I realized I was inspired. I was sitting on the couch 
recording them to my video player on my cell phone. And then all of a sudden the door opens up, and my son comes walking in. He lives up in Nashville. I'm in Atlanta. He comes walking in. I said, what are you doing home? He said, oh, I just came home to get a free meal because he's, he's a starving musician, but we feed him. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, go lace up the drums. And I called Roman. And we just went up and jammed. You know how cool it is to play with your son? I mean, Eddie Van Halen got to do it with Wolfgang, right? And it's just so cool. And um, so we recorded these songs, and we just had a blast. Still, no intention of putting out a record. And then I started listening to it. I said, man, it sounds so good. And I said, I don't know if I could get away with it because it sounds so much like ACDC because I was influenced from listening to those records. Two days later, I kid you not, Andy, the phone rings. It's Brian Johnson. Hey, Jesse, how you doing, me son? And I was going, hey, Brian, what's up? And he goes, I'm drinking some of your whiskey. And I went, all right. So we talked about the whiskey. And I said, well, I wasn't going to call you because I know you've been doing your book tour. Because I don't know if you've read it or not. He's got a book about his life before he joined ACDC. Yeah, it's fascinating, and, dude. Yeah. And uh, so, so I said, listen, I wasn't going to call you, but since you called me, you've got to help me write these songs. He said, sit them down here. i got a whole notebook. So... We started right, so the, a third of the album's got his fingerprints on it, and it's just, it, it, and so I had to put it out. And so I, I just, I put it together, we put it out, we pressed up a limited amount, a run of vinyl that, again, you can find at jessejamesdupree.com. We put it on all the streaming platforms through the Universal Music Group. We, we pushed it out, and then I was just thinking, I hope people enjoy it. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call. Hey, man, you got these powerhouse rock and roll radio stations that are playing your song. I was going, what? I mean, I just couldn't believe, you know. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting all this feedback. People going, I love listening to the album from beginning to end. And, and I'm going, and then they just, then they, the Universal called me to congratulate me out of the top 100 rock albums in Europe, number 30 on, on the uh, iTunes charts. Um, over here in the States, we entered in at like number 88 on the top 200 rock charts. And I'm like, wow. So it's just, you know, so you ask me, it, this thing kind of came out of nowhere from the beginning of its inception. And I'm sorry to be long-winded, but I just got to tell you, I, I, I'm loving it. The answer to your question is, I'm loving it. So, I mean, the fact that ACDC is your choice when you sit down to listen to a full album, I don't think that would surprise anybody. But Brian Johnson calling you out of the blue, the something is there. Something spiritual is going on, right? He is, man. Have you ever met Brian before? I've never met him. I want to because I hear he's the sweetest guy in the world. He, let me tell you how humble he is. You, you want to you hear a cool story about Brian would Johnson? would love to. I get a phone call this couple of years back. I get a phone call. Hey, Jesse, he goes, Cliffy and I was uh, Cliff Williams, the bass player of ACD. Yeah. Cliff and I are thinking about coming to Atlanta and staying with you a couple of days. And I said, well, hell, come on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a nice phone call. Come on. So they come and stay at the house, and we go out, we eat dinner. Had maybe might have been overserved. Had a great time. <laughs> went back to the saloon. I got a Western saloon at the house. Went back to the saloon, had some more drinks. Time to go to bed. I put Cliff in the guest bedroom. Two of my three kids were at home, so they were in their rooms. And my youngest daughter, who was six at the time, she went she went to stay with my mom. So Cliff took the guest bedroom, and I took Brian down, and I, I put him in my daughter's bedroom. And uh, so I went down the hallway before we crashed to make sure that he was okay, make sure he didn't need anything. And I said, hey, Brian, you need some water? You need anything before you crash? And he goes, nah, me son. He goes, we'll get up in the morning and have breakfast and whatever. I was going, okay, great. So I look in there, and here's the lead singer of ACDC crawling into a pink bed <laughs> with a Winnie the Pooh mural over the head. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he don't give a damn. I mean, he's just that, how, I mean, he's just that down to earth. And uh -oh. uh and I mean, he's, and I got some, I got some homemade pesto that he made that's in the refrigerator. I mean, he's a great chef. 
And um, his mother was Italian, so he knows how to cook. God, he knows how to cook. But so he's just a real guy. He's everything you'd want the lead singer of ACDC to be. So you can tell I'm so proud. And nobody in ACDC ever works outside of their band. So for him to take me into his trust and his confidence to write songs together, because, you know, we wrote and sang together on Locked and Loaded, or we wrote, you know, Kill the Sunshine, which is on this new album. And, and there's a song called Rapa to Papa that's actually doing really great on the, the English charts. It's, um, it's a song about the Pope. <laughs> And, oh, no uh, but, kidding. But, but, but the album's got his, but, but their song, the title track, Breathing Fire, It's Not Love, Lay It On Me, Born to Ride the Lightning. I promise you, you could, and, and a song called Stranded, they'll just take you to another. The album's just, I'm so proud of it. And, and for people to send me messages on social media and say, you know, that they're, and, and they acknowledge that they're listening to it from beginning to end, it's a big deal for me because that's mission accomplished because that's where this all came from. Me, just like you do, you know, I was feeling guilty that I didn't listen to full albums and I needed to go do that. You do that. So, I, I, you know, I compliment you on that. It's great. Brian Johnson, uh, you know, you you just mentioned it a bit ago. I think that's fascinating, the fact that typically artists who are involved in these internationally touring behemoths like ACDC are, isn't the tendency to believe there's like a snowball's chance in hell, if that, that he'd step out and work with anyone but that primary band? He, uh, no, nobody in ACDC works outside their band. I mean, it's, it's kind of, they just don't really do it. But he and I have had a longstanding friendship, and and, and I think we think we connect because I know what he goes through when he sings an ACDC show. And I know he realizes what I go through when I'm singing. It's a dip. We pull from a different place when we sing. Mm. And I'm not saying I'm Brian Johnson. He is the almighty. He's great. So don't take it that way. But I'm honored that people compare us and we do both have a powered up voice, you know, but I know what mountain he climbs every night when he's on that stage and he's singing everything from Back in Black, Shoot the Thrill, you know, uh, just everything. And, and I know it's it, it, he doesn't just sing a show. He climbs a mountain. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, he climbs Mount Everest every single night. And I, I was so respect, But he knows that I relate to what he goes through, and, and I do the same thing. And, but it's something we love. And it's, and it's, uh, but you bring it the, the way that we both, our singing styles, you bring it from a different place. And it's, it's, it's raw. It's, it's it's bearing your soul, and it's like you push with everything you've got. I don't pamper myself. I've got a show tonight. We're doing 12 shows in a row here out on this run nice. that Jackal's out doing now. I don't pamper myself. I wake up in the morning. My voice may be a little tired, but I just push it through the day, and then that night I put it where it's got to be, and um, and it's a different thing. I mean, I'm not do. I don't warm up. <laughs> I don't, uh, the singer for for uh, Disturbed. Uh, we played a festival with him, and he asked me, he goes, what do you do to your your boy? How do you? And Jeff, the guitar player, he said, Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the singer for Disturbed went, what? And I said, yeah, I said, Taco Bell. I said, the grease kind of coats my throat. And I said, the hot sauce opens up my sinuses. I said, I'm good to go after that. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's rock and roll if I ever heard it. Uh, I don't know if you caught ACDC's live set, whether you were there or maybe caught some video clips of their Power Trip uh, Festival appearance back in October. Did you see any of that? I just online. I wasn't there. I, I wish I could have been there, but I wasn't there. I, uh, the last time I, said, I saw ACDC was on the last performance that Brian did with them before you know everything went south for a bit yep. uh, in, in the Missouri and uh, and I was there with him that night and I knew what I was going down and that was more to do with his you know his hearing equilibrium and that kind of thing yep. and uh, and I knew what he was again I knew what he was going through because 
Um, you know, I, but I've, I've, I mean, I, I limit what I talk about all that because that's, you know, that's his business and their business. And I'm so, so glad he's back with them. And yeah, it's uh, it's good. But I did see some of that performance, and I'm glad it's such a it's, it's such a thrill to see them back together. Yep, I would agree with that completely. I wouldn't push you to go any further on that conversation. That's for sure. Never gets old is one of uh, a few songs you co-wrote with Brian. You said that his fingerprints are on this album in a few different spots. It feels effortless. I'm guessing uh, more than usual when you get together with a buddy like that and start talking out ideas. Just comes natural. <laughs> So I was actually, I, you know, I mentioned to you earlier that I, was, I, I consult the Harley Davidson Motor Company, and and uh, I mean I had been doing it for seven, eight years now, and it could end today, but it's been a great run. I love working with the Harley Davidson Motor Company and all the dealerships and stuff. And uh, so I'm on, uh, and, and maybe you scratch your head, and go what? He, you know, I mean, my, I've got some incredible people in my office, and and we do some amazing things. But um, but I was on this uh, team's video call with the Harley Davidson Motor Company, and. And I looked down and my phone's ringing. It's Brian Johnson. And it's going to be, you know, Brian. And I said, guys, I, I told my buddy in my office, I said, can you handle this from here? And I took Brian, because when Brian calls, you answer the phone. So I picked it up and I went out and I went to the studio. And I turned my iPad on because he had some ideas he was wanting to share with me. And I didn't want to lose any of them. And so I'm capturing it on my iPad. Whenever we get together, I'll play this for you because it's, 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 it's precious to hear. So you can, it's great for me. But uh, he, he says he's making excuses for the idea that he's going to give me. He's, he's, and he's, and he's not telling me the idea. He's kind of dancing around. You may not like it. Or that. And I was, well, just tell me what it is, Brian. He goes, do you remember what the Marines used to say? And I said, what's that? And he, and he goes, you know, and this is the guy that sang back in black, right? Yeah. And he starts, and he starts singing the Marine Corps chants, you know, when they're in formation and they're marching down the way. Well, I don't know, but I've been told. Eskimo, it is mighty cold. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's singing stuff, and I'm going, oh, my God, if you'd have told me when I was 15 years old, that kept, I camped out for two nights to get front row tickets for Back and Wagon, if you'd have told me that he was going to be singing that Marine <laughs> And I said, yeah, I remember that chant, you know. And he goes, well, I'm thinking we're changing up a bit, you know, and the drums are, boom, stop. Well, I don't know, but I've been told it never gets old singing rock and roll. And I went, you got me. I'm, I'm let's do it. And so that's where that song came from. And um and that, that, and I, when you and I get together, I'll play you that little video because it was a. Uh it was great hearing him sing that. God, that would be incredible. I would have paid good money to be part of some of early Jackal's creative processes. Some of those songs on the debut album, for example, the use of a chainsaw as a musical instrument, all of it felt very no-holds-barred. Well, you know, we recorded the album in Canoga Park, California, which is in the valley, just right there on the suburb north of, of Los Angeles. And we it was in a place called Rumbo Recorders. And Rumbo Recorders was where Appetite for Destruction was recorded, Guns N' Roses. It's where um, Motley Crue recorded there. The tw- when we were recording our first album, the Traveling Wilburys were right across the hall from us. Oh, my Ted God. Nugent, Ted Nugent the Damn Yankees were right down the hall from us. Wow. At, uh, in, the, in Studio C. And um, so, and the captain and Tennille own the studio. You're kidding. No, they own that studio. And the... Tony Tennille was super sweet. You remember her from Love, Love Will Keep Us Together. How could I forget, man? A staple of my childhood, for sure. And and they had the uh, Captain and Tennille TV show and uh, the Variety TV show. And all the props from the TV show were upstairs in the the attic of this big upstairs room in the studio. So at night when they would all leave, we'd go upstairs and, like, the captain had this big, large captain's hat that we'd put on. (laughs) We'd be running around with these crazy... Costumes and stuff they had from the TV show and all, but but anyway, um, so 
we were recording that album and uh, and every night we would we would record the lumberjack song we would record it live and and then we just took the best one and put it on the album and we had went it was felt like a sterile studio in Los Angeles so we went north of Los Angeles and we bought 40 chickens and roosters and we brought them back and we let them go loose in the studio and Ted Nugent had a belt some bells of hay out back that he was shooting for his bow and arrow practice and we took a couple of bells of his hay and strode out into the studio, and we had those chickens just running wild. And they were in there for a couple of weeks. And so every night we do the Lumberjack song. So at the end of the Lumberjack song, when you hear at the end of it, I throw the chainsaw down, and I went running into the drum booth because there was an old 70s-style drum booth that we didn't use, but in the 70s they used to put the drums in a drum booth. And at night the chickens would all go roost in the damn drum booth. <laughs> And, and so you hear me throw the chainsaw down, and then I run into that damn drum booth, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, you know. But th- those were all real. That was not fake. They were in the studio. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And this producer, Brendan O'Brien, was following me around with a chainsaw, with a microphone, holding it up wherever I'd put the chainsaw. He was just miking it, holding it by hand. He followed me in there with a the microphone and captured it. So it was just a, ma- a magic moment that we captured that. And and the rest of the story is. About two weeks into recording the record, we walk into the studio and nobody would look us in the eye. Everybody was avoiding us. And we were like, what's going on? And finally, Tony Tennille from the captain in Tennille, she goes, Jesse, may I have a word with you, please? And I said, sure. And she takes me back into this office, shuts the door. There's another door she opens. She goes back into that room, shuts the door. And she turns around and she's whispering to me. And I was going, What? And I couldn't hear what she was saying. I finally get close enough to her. She goes, one of the chickens is dead. Oh, no. (laughs) And I said, one of the chickens is dead? She went, I mean, she was like tripping out that they were going to be, because she was afraid that in Los Angeles, they would be protesting the animal cruelty. Oh, my God. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. And I told her, I said, Tony, I said, chickens just die sometimes. I said, where we come from, a farmer steps on three of them to get in to feed the rest of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, it, it just happens. You know, we ain't done nothing to hurt these chickens. We can feed them and they're they fine. Well, get them out of here. You got to get them out of here. So I went to the pet store and I bought these little cardboard pet dog carrying things. If you put it on a plane to carry the pet with you or something. And I put each one of those birds in a damn pet carrier and I had them courier down to the Geffen Record Company. <laughs> and I gave, I, I addressed each one of them to a different executive. You talk about all hell breaking loose. Come on. The record, uh, the record company called me. They were madder than hell. <sighs> the, the guy that signed us to our record contract, John Kaloner, his assistant was saying, Jesse, you got to get these birds out. Nobody wants the responsibilities. Of the oh birds. my God! And, and the president of the company, he came back from lunch, and he had just had his office decorated. And, and he came in, and that box was sitting on his desk, and it was moving around. And he opened it up, and that bird jumped out, scared the hell out of him, <laughs> and it and it jumped down on his floor and took a dump. Oh <laughs> and, and no! God, I'm telling you, all hell broke loose. So. We, a, a, another buddy that worked for the record company called me up. And he goes, hey, don't worry about this. I got it. He, he collected all of them and he carried them to his dad's place. His dad had a, some land and he let them go up there. But uh, I had to take a, a carton of Paul Mall cigarettes down to the president and give them to him as a gift because I know he smoked Paul Malls. You mean- <laughs> Luckily, you were paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, I carried him some, a carton of Paul Malls and told him I saw <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 
Man, that's quite a rock and roll lifestyle you've led, my friend. It's amazing. It's all silly stuff. God, aren't we blessed, though, man? I mean, you know, you, I, I'm by all rights. I'm only qualified to pour concrete for a living. And and um, I wake up every day having major anxiety because I think it's all been a dream. And uh, as soon as I realize that it's not been a dream, I wake up and I take as big a bite out of life's ass as I possibly can. We celebrate the fundamentals of rock and roll every single day. Two guitar, bass, and drums, chainsaw, if you will, whatever it takes to get the job done. And I generally find that people that understand about celebrating the fundamentals of rock and roll, they get their ass out. They come to be part of the show, not just to see it. They're there to be part of the show. And the people that don't understand about celebrating the fundamentals of rock and roll, those are generally the same people that have a hard time admitting that they masturbate. Yeah. You know what? I think that about sums it up. <laughs> Jesse, take it from this uh, guy who 25 years ago or so was given a chance by one Jesse James Dupree to uh, to interview. And I was just a kid in college at the time. But take it from me, man. Rock and roll is alive and well, and for good reason. For I mean, guys like you are a big reason why this thing continues to thrive like it does. Well, thank you for taking a chance on me, and thank you for your patience because I know I, I, I felt like such a jerk in missing our, our last connection. I just had a fire that I had to put out so I could feed my babies. <laughs> it's no and, problem. Uh, to hear that story Jesse told from the man himself uh, about the making of and the inspiration behind Breathing Fire, all worth it as far as I'm concerned. Well, I appreciate you, man. You keep the flame of rock and roll burning. And, uh, and, and, and seriously, I encourage everyone to take a minute, give me a chance with uh, Breathing Fire. It's an album that I'm so proud of. And, um, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a passion play. I've, I've been so blessed, and uh, I hope everybody enjoys it from tracks one through ten. Spread the word, tell a friend to tell a friend. It's available on all platforms. And, again, if you're into vinyl, my brother Andy is here. And, Andy, you got, you get to send me your address so I can get you this vinyl. But it's, a, it's seriously, it, it, it's a, a limited version of vinyl. You can find it at jessejamesdupree.com. Have an incredible Thanksgiving, holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, New Year's. Have an incredible uh, just 2024 and everything between now and, and, and when we see each other. Thank you so much, Jesse. I really appreciate your time, man. And back at you, you and your family. Take care, bud. You Ba-pow. too.